0: And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey.
1: Well, I love the tears
2: I've dropped to be part of the wave.
3: Hello, British Columbia. Welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm
2: Casey Wilson.
3: Plenty coming up on the show today. We offer a host of ideas for celebrating B.C. wines virtually from wine clubs to virtual wine tasting, online purchases, anything you really need to know about wine clubs. And we're going to head to West Kelowna and catch up with Graham Norden. He's the GM of Iconic Wines of British Columbia. We're going to stay up there uh, and speak with Angela Lyons from Quail's Gate Estate Winery about uh, what their clubs are up to. And joining us off the top for a couple of segments will be Jeffrey Moss from Lithica Wine Marketing to talk about uh, the Modern Wine Club. We have plenty of questions for Jeff. All that and more coming up next. I'm Anthony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we'll be right back on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This
0: is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe and inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com.
4: Clos de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of B.C.'s Similkameen Valley, Clos de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The results, wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at closdesoleil.ca. Free shipping to B.C. and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles.
5: Committed to handcrafting wines of distinction in Cowichan Valley, Unsworth Vineyards and Restaurant is a celebration of all things Vancouver Island. From a seasonally inspired menu showcasing fresh, local, sustainable ingredients to exceptional service and award-winning wines, Unsworth Vineyards gives bold new meaning to -to farm-to-table cuisine. During the month of December, if you can't make it to Unsworth in person, receive complimentary shipping throughout BC on 12 bottle orders with promo code Cowichan. Visit unsworthvineyards.com. Taste
4: the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson.
3: Hello, British Columbia, and welcome to the show today from Vancouver to Victoria and all the way north to Fort St. John. Our first guest today is Jeffrey Moss, MW. He's a Penticton based uh, wine marketer who joins us today to talk about the ins and outs of getting involved with Wine Clubs, Winery Wine Clubs. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Hey, uh, it's great to have you. I I really want to start, because you are a MW, a master of wine, uh, one of the reasons why we're talking to you is that uh, to uh, achieve your master of wine, which is an incredible achievement at your age, uh, all these uh, five papers on viticulture, vinification, pre-bottling procedures, handling of wine, business of wine, contemporary issues, and then... uh, uh, a practical exam of three uh, 12 wine blind tastings, which you must pass, uh, which is just blows me away. And then number three, which is why you're here a research paper uh, that you have to hand in six to 10,000 words. And you studied wine clubs.
6: That's right. I mean, I've always been interested in the direct to consumer side of the business. And for me, I really wanted to look at wine clubs and, and specifically looking at why people make the decision to to leave a club after uh, a number of months.
3: So when, when you got started on this, what did you think the reason was why people left wine clubs? Did you, you know, before you even started your investigation?
6: I mean, I think we know that based on other research, the average uh, wine club member is a member of at least probably four clubs at any given time. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into the decision to leave a club you know, whether it's someone potentially aging out or deciding to leave for health-related reasons. But I think the number one reason is ultimately people find another winery and another club that they want to join. And then that was probably my intuition in terms of why people are leaving. You know, there's a, a winery that's kind of at the bottom of the, the ladder, and that's the one that gets the chop when they decide to <laughs> go somewhere else. <laughs> I like that.
2: And what do you mean by that?
6: <laughs> well, I think a lot of wineries are looking to roll out the red carpet for their wine club members. You know, they get access to the, the best wines, the latest releases, they get great customer service ideally, but potentially not all wineries are living up to that standard. And it's probably those wineries that are going to be uh, the ones that customers decide to leave when they go to another winery. Just imagine if you're in the lower mainland, you come to the Okanagan, maybe once a year, once every two years, you're going to new wineries, and potentially some old favorite wineries. But when you go to those new wineries, I'm sure there's you know, ones that jump out and that you want to join the club because you love the wines so or you had such a great experience. But to join that club, someone else has to go. And that's kind of the decision that someone makes. Yeah. Well and- you make
3: a good you make a good sorry, Casey, you make a good point there about visiting and how, how do you think like if, if you're if you're talking to wineries now, how are they going to get this member? Is it from a visit? Is it from their website? Is it just from the quality of their wines? How do you see people actually hooking up with, you know, wine club A over wine club B?
2: And what? And to add to that, Jeff, what is a great experience?
6: Well, there's a lot of layers there. I think starting with Tony's question, you know, the real driver for a wine club right now is still the tasting room. Uh, research suggests that roughly 90% of wine club signups are happening at the wow. taste room. That makes sense. When you think about it as, as a customer, I've, I've just tried the wines. Presumably I like them enough to join the club. I had a great experience and most importantly, someone's either pushed me into the club or more ideally they pulled me into the club because of some fantastic benefits that I get as a club member uh, or access to exclusive wines that I could only get, as a club member. And, and so I think uh, that's why the tasting room is still the driver. You see some signups through websites for sure, or maybe events, but those are uh, few and far between still. And I think uh, what's, d- what's a great experience. It really varies. Um, it depends on the customer in part. I think, you know, one of the outcomes of the pandemic has been a move away from those splash and dash tasting bar type experiences where you go quickly try four or five wines in a span of what seems like five or 10 minutes. And yeah, you've tried the wines, but you haven't really learned much. You haven't learned about the winery and you haven't learned about the wines, the story behind them. And so what the pandemic ha- we've seen is that transition more towards seated guided tastings. Mm. That, that makes sense to me. You know, when you think of how wines consumed at home, it's consumed around a table with friends and family. It's consumed with food you know, the this, splash this and dash experience is so antithetical to how we enjoy wine in our everyday life. So those seated yeah. guided tastings, potentially there's a food element that at least brings us, brings us closer to how we actually enjoy wine. And also just gives us the time to relax. Presumably we're on vacation, we're trying to have fun, and gives us the opportunity to learn a thing or two. And what we see then from the research is, these experiences do translate not only to greater sales, but also to more wine club conversions because people have more of that in-depth in relationship with the winery with
3: after the winery, experiences. Yeah. Our guest is Jeffrey Moss. He's an MW and principal of Lithica Wine Marketing based in Penticton. Jeff, I want to ask about does size matter? And I want to know, does it matter from both sides? Like, do I want to join a big wine club or do I want to join a small wine club? And do, do wine clubs want to be... Big or small, from a winery point of view.
6: From a winery point of view, I think wineries always looking to build their club. They're always looking to build their club because it does a couple things for a winery. It provides predictable, reoccurring revenue. You know, anyone who works in the wine industry knows how important cash flow is to the industry. So if I know when money's coming into the bank account, you know, that helps me from just a financial planning and forecasting perspective. But that aside, you know, it's also a higher margin part of the industry. You know, there's no middleman, there's no retailer or restaurant. And so it's a little bit more profitable for me as a winery as well. And so for those reasons, you know, I'm always looking to build uh, my club potentially as a winery, but. As a consumer, I don't think there's a substantial difference between small versus large clubs. It's all about the type of benefits that you get as a club member, and, and I think small wineries can do a great job, and large wineries can do a, a great job similarly.
2: So I've got kind of an oddball question for you. If you inherited the equivalent of about ten million dollars to invest in the wine industry, how would you how would you invest?
6: I would probably invest in index funds, ideally. But if I was forced to invest in the wine industry, uh, I think you know the the way the industry is moving is towards direct-to-consumer models. Uh, that's you know where we're selling wine, ideally, through a combination of the tasting room, wine club, and online stores. You know, and the reason for that again is these are higher margin, more profitable sales channels. Uh, but one of the traps that people fall into is all of a sudden they start to think, well, I want all of my wine to go through direct-to-consumer sales channels at full margin. And that overlooks a couple of things. It overlooks the fact that, you know, restaurants are important. Restaurants are important for building your brand. I can't tell you the number of times that you, we've had customers walk into our tasting room, and they're walking into the tasting room because they've tried the wine by the glass at a restaurant like Hawksworth in Vancouver. And that's where you're building that brand awareness. So if I'm starting a winery, sure, it's going to be direct-to-consumer focused, but I want an element of building the brand through restaurants, and I also want a small amount in, in retail as well, because I think you need to diversify, and if anything, out of the pandemic, we've seen the importance of diversifying our sales
3: channels. Uh we got a couple minutes before we go to break, but I want to ask you about one of the key findings in your research and in your paper, and that was about where wine club members reside and are thinking about, you know, how, where these people live.
6: Yeah, so my intuition going into the paper was that club members who lived further away from the winery would be more likely to leave, that they would spend less time as a club member. And the reason for that is a lot of, Club benefits happen at the winery. They could be complimentary tastings, complimentary tours. Uh, They could be club events. And so if I live in Toronto, for example, and I'm a member of an Okanagan winery, well, I'm missing out on a lot of these benefits. But in actual fact, you know, my research seemed to show that that wasn't the case at all. The distance from the winery had no correlation to whether someone continued to be a club member or decided to leave. And I think, you know, if I were to guess, there's probably a couple reasons for that. One is potentially being a club member is the only way that out-of-market uh, customers can get access to these wines. Let's face it, there's not a lot of Okanagan wine on LCBO shelves.
5: So being yeah. a club
6: member could be one of those solutions. And I think wine, wineries can also do good jobs in terms of engaging out-of-town club members. For example, you see wineries increasingly doing club events in Vancouver, in some cases Calgary as well. And so there's always ways to engage people instead of just having them at the
3: winery. So so you're saying that a wine club can come to Vancouver and have an event for the members in that region and, and they show up?
6: Exactly, yeah. We see a lot of this in the, in the US in terms of especially California wineries going to key large markets where they'll hold club events. And I think we're starting to see that here in Canada, especially it's a little bit more Vancouver and Calgary focused so far, but we also see a little bit of Toronto too. People are trying to engage club members across the entire country, knowing, like I said, that there's always a risk that they're looking at another winery to potentially join instead.
3: Yeah. Hey, our guest is Jeffrey Moss, MW. He'll be back after the break with more on the world of wine clubs. Just a reminder that along with uh, hearing us weekly across BC on the radio, you can also find us on any of the top podcast platforms. And now on Spotify, we're the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we'll be right back.
0: There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network.
4: The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Experience award-winning wines at Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. The tasting room is open daily from 11 to 6. Elevate your experience with a black glass blind tasting. Want something more intimate? Book a private, varietal-specific stemware tasting. For VIP treatment, join the Crush Club. Membership includes regular wine shipments, 15% off purchases, early access to new releases, and free premium experiences. Don't forget, Miradoro Restaurant is also open daily. For reservations and more, Tinhorn.com.
6: You know you want it, so come and get it. The Modest
3: Butcher invites you to Happy Hour every day from 2 to 4 p.m. On the menu, beers, cocktails, wine by the glass or half liter, and don't forget about the new Appies. Also making a comeback, Tommy and Tannen Tuesday. Get their tremendously-sized tomahawk steak with all the fixings and a bottle of their tomahawk-worthy vino for $180. For more details and to book, visit ModestButcher.com. Come and get it.
4: Red Rooster Winery invites you to a visit for a sensory journey from grape to glass. Enjoy the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountains from their cozy estate tasting room on Naramata Bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their new release Chardonnay Surly, The perfect white to have on hand while you enjoy the views. Seated tastings are offered seven days a week, noon to five, this fall. Come for the views, stay for the wine. Visit RedRoosterWinery.com for more info.
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson.
3: Welcome back, everyone, to the show. Uh, Our guest is still with us, Jeffrey Moss, MW from Penticton. I should have mentioned earlier that Jeff does some work for me, actually tastes wine at Gizmondi on Wine, which we love, uh, because that's what MWs do uh casey you love mw's
2: i love mw's you're, you're
3: mystified by their ability to taste I,
2: I am just tell us briefly what does it take to be
6: an mw jeff
3: uh, go ahead and brag uh,
6: in my case it took six years it took a long time unfortunately wow. but i really compare it to just you know preparing for a marathon you know if you just put in the time and the training that eventually you can get there it's just really about putting in the work you know so we were you know Ross Wise um, from Black Hills, winemaker there, and I we were tasting six wines every day, uh, and that's what it took.
2: Yes, and there are, we should mention, there are more um, astronauts than there are MWs in the world. That's how rare it is to get an MW.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you may make it to space too, though. You're still young enough. Uh, let's, let's get back to wine clubs. Uh, do you remember the old mailing list? Uh, what, what's the difference between a mailing list and a modern wine club, Jeff?
6: Well, I think the, um, the mailing list was that idea that you needed to join the list to get access to these wines. You know, that was the only way in theory that you could get access. And I think we still see that model in some cases. I would say it's a little bit more of a California model where ideally you know you're getting those huge point scores there's these this pent-up demand where people really want access to the wines and they join the list to do that in canada you know we've seen that model over time you don't it just doesn't seem to be very successful here i just don't know if that whole approach resonates and the transition has been more towards what i'd call a modern wine club back in the day we're not far removed from a time when you'd pay the same fee for each wine club shipment and maybe you get a shipment bi-monthly, quarterly, whatever the case may be. And that's really not true anymore. You know, today you're charged for the wines you get in your shipment. Uh, so potentially the value of your shipment fluctuates from quarter to quarter or whatever the case may be, but it means yeah. that you're always getting exactly what you pay for, which is great. And the other real change that we've seen over the last couple of years is the transition to a user choice model You know, it used to be you'd get six wines and those six wines were what they were and hopefully you like them. But a lot of wineries now offer the ability to customize your club shipment. So say, for example, you don't love Riesling. Well, you sub that out with another wine that you love instead. And -hmm. this is great from a customer perspective. I mean, who wants to receive wines that they don't love? You know, that doesn't make sense. But what we found from a winery perspective is that customers also love to add in another bottle or two as well. So they just become more valuable to the winery.
3: Oh, I like that. Let's talk about something that's kind of interesting from a marketing point of view, I think. Uh, what about joining a wine club? What do you think about the idea of joining a wine club before a winery even opens?
6: I, I like the idea. You know, it's that idea that you're part of something before anyone else has even heard of it. Um, and so that's a real draw to me. And it also ensures potentially you get guaranteed access to limited production wines, and that is the real carrot for why you'd want to join that type of wine club.
3: Love it. Uh, Okay, well let's talk about a few. I I I know that you said you would mention a few in BC. Uh, I want to start with one that both Casey and I are intrigued by: uh, the Roche Black Book. What is that all about?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think Roche is is a great small family-owned winery and this is an example of where wine club members benefit from getting uh, first access to their wines and they do that through that old idea of like a a black book where you keep your close friends and family and their contact information in that book so it just ties in with that whole idea of being a family-owned winery club members are are part of that family as well. Hmm.
2: You know what I want to ask you um Tony and a lot of his friends are wine hoarders, I would say, which means they've got, you know, big sellers and they're, you know, some of those guys now are 80 years old, 85.
3: Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Not you, Tony, of course. You're one of the youngest. But,
2: you know, like, tell me about that. What's, you know, what happens then? Because, I don't know, you can't sell wine to one another, can you, now in B.C.?
6: Well, what's legal and what happens in actual fact may be two slightly different things.
2: I wasn't going to say that.
6: (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple of different um, considerations there. I think what's great about a wine club is you're typically getting a lot of diversity in selection in terms of what's in your packs. I think of it kind of like a sampler pack. I get the opportunity to try new releases, new vintages. And if I really love a wine, well, I can go back and reorder potentially. And maybe I'm benefiting from a wine club discount, whether that's 10%, 15%. And then that's my opportunity to stock up my cellar with something that I know that I love because I've already tried it. Mm -hmm. What we do see, though, is we potentially see people whose cellars are full. And that's one of the reasons that people will leave a club. Um, And it's important that we're considering younger demographics as well in terms of how we're marketing wine. I mean, I'm a millennial, so I'm quite biased, but a lot of times people are still a little stuck in their ways and we can think about new opportunities in terms of how to reach millennials.
3: Yeah. Jeff, what about uh, the pandemic's brought a lot of virtual tastings out? Has that made its way into wine clubs?
6: I think it has, yeah. I mean, virtual tastings are a great opportunity to engage your club members. Um, When we think of the Okanagan, it's extremely seasonal. I mean, most people will typically only visit, you know, between maybe April and October. But virtual tastings, outside of hosting events in Vancouver or Calgary, you can do virtual tastings anytime, and it's a great way to keep people engaged And also cover different topics. You know, one of the things that becomes clear when you talk to wine club members is is these are wine geeks. You know, they love wine. They love learning about wine. And so Mm -hmm. being able to interact with a winemaker or a vineyard manager, that really resonates with people. And it's something that sticks with them. And that's a great reason to stay a part of a club.
3: I know you spent some time at Phantom Creek, and you're no longer there. But you you were there sort of when they launched. I just saw something from them about a wine club for businesses. What do you make of that?
6: I think it's a great idea. I mean, one of the advantages that Phantom Creek has is they have this fantastic location and fantastic building, uh, and so they can use that and leverage that for businesses where businesses, because that can then use either the space, use the wines with clients, a lot of different opportunities there. And I think that's a great example in terms of how wine clubs are continuing to evolve. There's continual innovation. uh, And it's not just about kind of staying in our traditional formats, but looking in terms of what else can we do that's a little bit different.
3: Hmm. Casey, are you going to join Jeff's Wine Club? I am going to
2: join Jeff's Wine (laughs) Club.
3: (laughs) Uh, well, Jeff, just a, how about a little bit of free advice for consumers now? If they're looking for a wine club, you mentioned a lot of the cool stuff. If you're just a consumer and you want to join a club, what would you recommend they do? Like what's the research?
6: Well, I think the most important thing is to find a winery where you love the wines and you love the experience and the hospitality. And those two things are great starting points. I would also just make sure things like, the budget makes sense for you. The number of wines that you receive throughout the year makes sense for you. Uh, It varies a lot. Sometimes it's six bottles per shipment or it could be a little bit less. So just taking a look at things like that to make sure you don't end up with too much wine or you're spending a little bit more than you're comfortable with. And then I would take a look at the, the benefits. You know, like I said, wineries should be rolling out the red carpet for their club members. We're not that far removed from days when Wineries would use their club members to offload like excess inventory that they had yeah. or old vintages that they couldn't move. And really wineries aren't doing that anymore. You know, you should be looking for wine club exclusive wines where you know being a part of the club is the only way that you're able to get access to these wines.
3: Jeff, do you think people like me are finished now? Because uh, the, this this concept of a wine club or even wineries, they just sort of intercede and get their story direct to consumers. Where does that leave sort of the, uh, can I say, the knowledgeable wine media or the, the media that writes about wine regularly? Are we finished?
6: I don't think so. I mean, I think people are always always looking for advice, and they're always looking to reputable sources in terms of making buying decisions. I mean, I mentioned, you know, the role of restaurants and how sommeliers can play the role kind of as a gatekeeper where they're building brand awareness or introducing customers to brands. And I really see wine media and wine writers in the same way. You know, they're the ones amplifying the stories of the wineries and and to be perfectly frank, most of the time wine writers do a better job of that than the wineries themselves uh, because winemakers can really dig deep in terms of understanding, you know, what's the real story here. And I think that's the value on top of just, you know, reviewing and recommending
3: wines as well. Yeah. Uh, well, Jeff, listen, it's been fascinating talking to you. We're going to talk to a couple of wineries today as well about their wine clubs, but with this background, it should be fun to uh, chat with them and find out what they're doing. Uh, it looks like wine clubs are going to be around for a while to stay. I guess my last question is club. Do I really want to join a club?
6: I think, you know, there's a lot of elitism in wine, but there's nothing elitist about being part of a club. And I think what you actually find is a lot of wine clubs have this real sense, I mentioned kind of family with Roche, but a sense of community where club members actually know one another because they've attended so many events over time together or potentially they've met through these virtual tastings. So don't think of it as this elitist thing. It's just a a beautiful community uh, that you build a relationship with winery.
3: All right.
2: Last question. What are the best winemaking kits to buy?
6: <laughs> um, I, my personal advice is to always leave it to the professionals. Uh, which is yeah <laughs>
3: you let's should have seen the look that. on
2: tony's face when i let's said leave, that let,
3: let's leave <laughs> it at that non sequitur thanks so much jeff uh, really fun to catch up with you today and uh look forward to chatting to you in the future yeah thanks very much for having me I was Jeffrey Moss, M.W. and Head of Lithica Wine Marketing in Penticton. Up next is Angela Lyons. She's the VP of Sales and Marketing at Quail's Gate Estate Winery. I'm Anthony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And you're listening to the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network.
2: There's more to come. This is the B.C. Food &
0: Wine Radio Network.
4: There are so many ways to experience the wines of Black Hills Estate Winery in Oliver, B.C. this season. Whether it's a weekend getaway to wine country or some early holiday planning, check out all of our new releases. Wine Club members can enjoy exclusive benefits, including VIP wine experiences and access to member-only wines like our rare Carmenere with delivery to your door with temperature-controlled shipping year-round. For details and to book a seated wine experience, visit blackhillswinery.com. Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission, offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as $399,000. Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. This winter, the Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing stay on the Naramata bench. Sip award-winning Therapy Vineyard wines on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the wine shop. Book your room online today or order Therapy Wines delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com. Because everyone needs a little therapy. The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com.
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio, here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson.
3: Hello British Columbia, from Kamloops to Revelstoke, Kitimat to Princeton and all the cities in between here on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our guest is uh, Angela Lyons, she's the VP of Marketing and Sales Director at Quailsgate Estate Winery and Stewart Family Estates. Angela, how are you today?
7: I'm doing great. How are you?
3: Uh, I'm very fine. Uh, I didn't go through Harvest. You just finished up Harvest. Uh, is everybody relaxing a bit now? Or?
7: Everybody is, is, uh, is happy that the wines have fermented, and uh, we're getting <laughs> excited to start looking at the new releases. So, yes, it was a, yeah. it was a, a, it's always it's an always exciting time of year. Everyone's busy, uh, but, yes, the big Harvest yeah. barbecue is a nice finishing conclusion and, to the uh, season.
3: I often think that we think it's all over once, you know, all the, all the uh, grapes are in the barn, so to, so to speak. But, uh, of course, it's just getting started. Then all the work goes on and on and then the new releases. And it's a year-round business now, and uh, there's so much to do.
7: Absolutely. But it's exciting, and we're fortunate to be part of it.
3: Yeah. So today we're, we're talking to several people about uh, wine clubs. And uh, I guess the number one question is, why would I join a wine club? And, and uh, so I, I want to sort out some of those uh, topics with you and other, other people today. So let's start with that. Why wine clubs? Uh, I remember when, when I was uh, getting going in the business, people had mailing lists. They didn't have wine clubs. Now they have wine clubs. What's, what's the difference, do you think?
7: right well, I think the the wine clubs today really it is is very similar to the subscription service in in terms of the overall concept because you get the exclusivity and the access to to wine, so that hasn't changed um I think that today you know certainly the pandemic has shifted in terms of having wines show up at your door is is a is a great benefit you don't have to uh do any work if they just arrive um yeah. but also um you know the the the, the, the fact that somebody is taking the time to curate packages, they get more and more customized these days. That's probably the, the biggest change uh, from wine clubs or subscription services of the past to what we experience today.
2: And I think because Gate has been around for so long, you've got a lot of older wines in your library. You know, how, how can we get access to that? Do you have to belong to the wine club?
7: Gen- generally, uh, if you are a member of the wine club, you will always get first access, so yes, we do. We, we, we think that that's a great benefit of, of uh, being a wine club member at Quail's Gate. Uh, we have a library release program here that goes back um, uh, several decades, uh, and it's something u- usually in the last 10 years are, are most of the wines that would be available uh, in, in, uh, with exclusive offers to the wine club members. And uh, we also have the opportunity here to showcase some of those older vintages at special events on site that wine club members have um, the opportunity to attend.
3: Yeah, you. Uh, well, you mentioned the pandemic. It sort of has has changed the way that wine is is purchased. Uh, getting, as you mentioned, shipped to your front door is a pretty nice thing now. That used to happen prior to the pandemic, but I don't think people used it as much or understood it as well. Have you seen a a real uptake in the way people interact now with wineries and in in this business of shipping wine to them?
7: Yes, I think the key change, as I alluded to earlier, is really this customization. So the that part, um, you know, I think what people really enjoyed about the in-person shopping experience is the opportunity to to, to customize what they you know, what they were taking home in their in their in their shopping carts, uh, you know, at the end of the the purges that they walked out with. But now wineries, instead of um, just having a preset list of wines that are part of your wine club shipment, you can actually be online and the software that exists today uh gives you the opportunity to look around at what else might be available if you have a certain preference for uh say pinot noir and uh you do, don't want as many white wines you can shift your your shopping cart around online so that's a, a huge advantage uh and and maybe they don't miss the in-person shopping experiences much because they can do that now online
3: yeah
2: and you have a yeah. lot of <laughs> exclusive <laughs> events
7: angela mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we certainly evolved over the last year. We tried to create some virtual events uh, where we would have them live uh, with, you know, cooking cooking classes live for our club members, and uh, with our uh, with our winery owners, with Tony Stewart. So everybody was live and interacting and trying to make that connection uh, online since we couldn't gather in person. But we have had two in-person events this year for our wine club members. One just happened as part of the 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 pickup uh, experience so when the wine club shipment was ready for october um and uh th- that was something that uh, was 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 pulled together but you had the opportunity instead of having it shipped you could actually come to the winery and experience uh an event uh taste all the wines that you were about to take home with you so you have a little bit of a preview and to know what you want to sell and what you might want to open right when you get home
3: uh, well, I know that you that, that sounds uh, vaguely familiar to me. I know you were involved years ago with Penfolds, and they would go around the world in, in recorking clinics, but the biggest part of all that was meeting the customer and having some interaction with them and letting them taste the new wines. Uh, is this something that you take with you, that sort of thought about how to engage with your, uh, with your members and, and your, your customers? Uh, Absolutely,
7: We spend a lot of time uh, looking into um, how we can develop personal concierge service that we can assist all of our members to booking tours and tastings here at the winery. We we love to get feedback. In fact, a lot of the members give us great ideas on how to evolve and bring new experiences in the future, and that was really the development of our local select wine club. So Mm -hmm. people that live close to the winery, um, rather than – you know, pre, pre-setting what they would receive in their in their wine club shipment we just um, now provide them a preloaded card essentially it operates like a gift card and they can just pop by the winery whenever they want during the year and they can they also get a discount off of the wines as being a wine club member we offer a 15 discount to the wine so now they get all the benefits of wine club membership but they're completely in charge of what they uh, buy in the wine shop and when they get it and when they want to shop. And, and that's been a growth area for our wine club specifically.
3: Wow. Uh, I, I, I sure love the evolution. When I, when I think about when they first started and you, they, they sent you a few wines, you had to pay them for the wines and, and take them whether you wanted them or not sort of thing. So th- things have really changed in the last few years for, for club members Uh, You also have the Barrel Club, which uh, sounds pretty good to me. Obviously, barrels mean aged wines and uh, uh, other sort of uh, wines that maybe are at a higher discerning level, if I can say that about these wines. Uh, Have you got a lot of interest in that?
7: We do. We, we cap it at a certain number as most other wineries I imagine would because we, these are usually small lot production wines or there's only a certain amount of wine, like a certain, we, we set aside with each, each new release of a wine. We always put a certain amount of cases aside to be released in the future. So essentially we're selling the wines for our, our wine club members. Right. And then um, the barrel clubs, they, they actually have the opportunity, the first opportunity to access because uh, there's not usually a lot of volume uh, that is put aside. So when we do open up um, the cellar, they are the, the first access uh, to wines that might be 10, 15 years old. Uh, they, they get the access to nice. those wines, and that's just yeah. something that we can't offer to everyone.
3: Yeah, our guest is Angela Lyon. She's the VP of Marketing and Sales Director for Quail's Gate Winery in Stewart Family Estates. Uh, you have a fantastic restaurant on site. Is that part of uh, the play for club members too? Do they, d- does that get involved in uh, when you join the club? Somehow you get hooked up with the restaurant too?
7: It, it absolutely is, a, is a, a what I consider to be a great benefit of being a member at uh, Quail's Gate versus maybe a winery that doesn't have a restaurant. Uh, it does give you an opportunity to have preferred access for reservations. So we get quite busy here for Probably from from late spring through to the end of harvest, uh, this is a very busy restaurant at Old Vines. Uh, we. Uh are often booked up for several weeks in the summer. And if you're a wine club member, you go right to the top of the list in terms of of, of accessing reservations. And then on top of that, we have a concierge service that, that uh, assists people with booking tours as well as the restaurant rec, uh, reservations. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's a, a huge benefit. And then we also have accommodations on site. We have a lake house property um, and a smaller... Uh, Lakefront house called The Nest, and so if you are a wine club member, you also get priority access to booking those accommodations.
2: And you also have a winery, a sister winery in Lake Sonoma in California.
7: Yes, so that's uh, another wine club that helps uh, provide some insights, and so it's interesting to see how. Our membership uh, in the Sonoma area, well which really goes across uh, several u s states as well as our members here we, we you know it gives us the opportunity to see what's working there sometimes there's different trends and so uh, yeah, I, I would call that it's a little bit of a of a of an advantage of understanding some of the trends that might happen. Earlier in the U.S. market that we might uh, apply here, and, and we're seeing that, that customization that took off, um, and that's why we, we really worked hard a couple of years ago to implement new software that would allow the customization uh, that has that, uh, is work, is, is really worked well for us in, with Lake Sonoma in the U.S.
3: How uh, I guess one of the biggest questions about wine clubs retention. So how how does that keep you up at night, or does is it growing, is it falling, is it does it what you lose, you gain, or how how do you keep people uh, in the wine club?
7: Uh, so you know well, churn, as they call it, wine club churn, or you know, and retention is is absolutely something that we look at. We have a, an incredible a team of people here our wine club manager and uh, our direct to consumer manager who oversees everything and she's always looking at these numbers uh, in terms of retention so the customization is 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 you know I know that this has come up a few times already now but the customization really is key for retention because now you're giving the wine club uh member you're putting them in charge of, of figuring out when yeah. you know what what they want what they want in their package and and that that will uh, probably on average, have them stay with our club for an extra year. Uh, but you know, people are curious. They want to try different wine clubs. I, I'm a member of wine clubs, and, and so that's another uh, great way to really understand, you know, how we interact with wine clubs that we're members of. Uh, you know, sometimes you just want to try a different selection or you might stock up your cellar with, you know, wines from wine, one winery and then you want to move on. And so, again, that's the, the adding more opportunities, different wines um, that will generally mean that they will um, be be members for a longer period of time
2: well you gave me a big shock in the wine world when tony called me and said that angela lyons is moving to the okanagan from toronto i Mm -hmm. couldn't believe it but we're really happy you did
7: that thank you oh i'm so happy to be here and to be part of the okanagan valley here it's a a wonderful uh, very friendly warm and welcoming industry and uh, it's 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 my pleasure to be and it's a privilege to be here
3: Thanks, Angela. Great to chat with you today. And thanks for all the information about the Quailsgate Wine Club and the different levels that people can get involved with. All of that, of course, is available online at quailsgate.com. We'll talk to you soon.
7: All right. Happy holidays.
3: Yeah, thank you. Angela Lyons, uh, she is the uh, VP of Marketing and Sales at Quailsgate Estate and the Stewart Family Estates, which we'll be hearing more about in the coming year, that's uh, burgeoning across. Uh, from the winery on the other side of the lake. We're going to take a quick break, but there's plenty more coming up on the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network. Up next is Graham Norton. He's the general manager of Iconic Wines of British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. You're listening to the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network.
4: The Maipo Valley is a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Bold, award-winning. Discover
5: Gold. It's the season for big, bold red wines at Gold Hill Winery in Oliver. We've built our reputation on age-worthy Bordeaux-style reds. Join our wine club today and receive a $25 gift along with other fantastic benefits. For more information, go to goldhillwinery.com. Discover Gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. Committed to handcrafting wines of distinction in Cowichan Valley, Unsworth Vineyards and Restaurant is a celebration of all things Vancouver Island. From a seasonally inspired menu showcasing fresh, local, sustainable ingredients to exceptional service and award-winning wines, Unsworth Vineyards gives bold new meaning to -to farm-to-table cuisine. Enjoy a delectable menu in a gorgeous restaurant where casual meets elegant. Sip and savor refreshingly delicious wines overlooking panoramic vineyard views. Reserve today at unsworthvineyards.com.
0: Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination? The Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15-park bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson.
3: Hello, British Columbia, from Nelson to Trail, Prince Rupert to Salmon Arm, and Armin, all the cities in between. On we are listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Uh, our next guest is Graham Norden. He's the general manager of the iconic wineries of British Columbia. Graham, how are you today?
1: I'm great, Anthony. Thanks for having
3: me. Uh, it's always a delight to have you. I, I think we'll start with who are the iconic wineries of BC before we get into wine clubs. Uh, who's in this collective?
1: Certainly. So it's a collection of incredibly passionate winemakers and uh, wineries throughout the Okanagan Valley, Mission Hill Family Estate, Cedar Creek Estate Winery, Martin's Lane Winery, Checkmate Winery, Liquidity, and Road 13 Vineyards.
3: Yeah, that wow. is a nice, nice lineup. Uh, okay, we're, good. we're talking about wine clubs. Do they all have wine clubs or would you call them wine clubs, all of them, or how, how does it roll out in the group?
1: Yeah, they do. So each winery, I think that that's always been really important for us that each winery has its own identity and distinction. So each winery has its own specific wine club. Um, each one's slightly different depending on uh, how much wine you get, the shipments, all those kind of things. But, yeah, yeah. the the wine club is really the core of uh, Avery Winery's business. So the, They're the most important members that we have.
3: Hmm. When you, uh, I know a couple of years ago you sort of launched, you changed the way that you greet visitors at all of your wineries. You, moved to, uh, you were moving to reservations and experiences even before the pandemic. So is the wine club wrapped up in that too, or do you, do you need to join the wine club to have the experience, or do you get the experience because you're in the wine club? Uh, how does it work?
1: Yeah, we certainly. Um, the, I would say the highest level and most intimate level of guest experience comes as being a wine club member. So that's really one of the most important things for us is giving our wine club members, as an extension of our family, the the closest opportunity to experience the winery, whether that's behind the scenes tastings in the winery with our winemaker, barrel tastings, um, the opportunity to have on site events. So while you're right, we have evolved each on site experience to be really unique. I think from a wine club perspective the most exclusive experiences will always go to our wine club members
2: and what about virtual tastings graham
1: yeah that's such a good question casey especially after the last 18 months one of the things that we realized um that over the past is that we haven't been able and we weren't able to welcome as many guests to the winery as we could because of travel and all those types of things so we thought well what's the best way to be able to engage with our wine club members in a meaningful way that we don't lose touch with those uh, important parts of our family so we set up uh, a number of virtual experiences across many of the different estates have done differently but the fundamental idea is that we allows us virtually to be able to connect with wine club members that aren't able to come to visit the winery but we can bring the winery experience to their
3: home mm. our guest is graham norton he's the general manager of iconic wines of british columbia graham these virtual tastings have you tailored them like can I, can you do it for five people or does it got to be 20 or how, how does that work
1: Yeah, we can. So we've done them both for our wine club members, and we've done them for corporate uh, as well. So they can be tailored, they can be for as as few as five or 10, as you said, Anthony, and we've done them for up to 400 people. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it really can be uh, built around what experience you're looking for. And it's shipping wines directly to an end location or sometimes multiple locations. And it really is just, I think, the opportunity for guests in their home who aren't able to travel to be able to get that winery experience and so not j-
2: you don't send just wines right you can get
1: enhancements such as cheeses and chocolates that's exactly right. We really wanted to be able to provide as close to that winery experience as we could. So it's not just wines, but it's also food. So it's, it's things that we've curated and actually produced at the wineries, whether that's local artisan cheeses or crackers that we're making in-house in the restaurant, to honey that comes from our estate, to chocolate from a local producer. So, yeah, you're exactly right, Casey. It's wanting to build in a food and wine experience in your home the same way that you would get if you came to visit us at the winery.
3: Yeah, I'm wondering about some of the, the tastings. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, you know, you've know, you got Corey Kreeble and Amy Painter, two fantastic women, one at Mission Hill, one at Liquidity Wines. Can I taste women's wines, uh, say, versus men's wines? Would that be something that, that you might think about doing in the future?
1: Well, it wouldn't be much of a competition. I would vote for Corey and Amy every day of the week. <laughs> good, <laughs> good for you. But, but certainly, that's something that we can look to do. We've we've hosted virtual events that have multiple wineries in them, whether that's Mission Hill and Cedar Creek or Liquidity right. at Road Thirteen and et cetera. So, yeah, we certainly can look to curate an experience that makes the most sense for for the guests.
3: Yeah, I'm thinking about. I would love to do a tasting of Pinot Noir, sort of up and down the valleys. You know, from mm. say Naramata to to uh, all the way up to Vernon.
1: Yeah, absolutely, which is something we can look to do, or wanting to tell the story of aromatic whites across different estates, or really, as we now have, as, as you both know, we've just completed our first certified organic harvest across the entire business. So trying just, yeah. just wanted to take different examples of organic wines uh, from different estates. So there's lots of things that we could do from that perspective.
3: Yeah, when I join so how do I join do I join individually the 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 winery wine clubs through the iconic uh, wineries or do I is there a, a collective that you join how does it work
1: yeah, that's right. You would do it exclusively through each one of the wineries because each winery has um, slightly different experiences in terms of what they offer. The Mission Hill Club that is going to be a little bit different than the Cedar Creek Club that's going to be a little bit different than the Row 13 Club. I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. the foundation is the same in that uh, the, the main benefit is really exclusive access to wines. So it's pre-releases, limited production wines, libraries, things that... Well, we just uh, completed a, a wine club shipment for Mission Hill, and we had two wines in that shipment that were we made exclusively for the wine club have now been sold out exclusively to the wine club, so it's a wine wow. that will never hit a shelf because it's gone entirely to our club. And I think that as um, you know, we continue to evolve, there's going to be much more of that, wines that will never be sold outside to a club membership. So I think wow. the advantage is wow. really... Partnering with individual wineries to make sure that you get access to rare wines.
3: Well, uh, maybe, Casey, Casey, you and I, maybe we should start a media wine club. Yes, great idea. Get, get, get some exclusive wines for the media. I'm just kidding, Graham. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking to people about exclusivity. To me, that's exclusivity to taste wines that don't even get released anywhere else. Great idea. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, we're almost out of time today. It goes so fast, but I, I'm wondering how, how uh, maybe you could let us in about how the experiences are going. Uh, you changed gears a couple of years ago. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, you're spending more time with the customer, g- giving them more of the story. How,
1: what, what's the reaction? Oh my gosh, Anthony, it's been night and day. It's been so incredibly positive, the response that we've gotten both from wine club members and from guests that have come to visit the property. The ability to be able to um, move away from that belly up at the bar and splash and dash, here's five wines. I really didn't get much out of it, but off I go and I'm out in and out in 10 minutes. I think that we as a region have evolved so far past that, and we were so excited for the opportunity to be able to evolve our experiences that now they're seated. They're a minimum of 30 minutes, uh, sometimes up to an hour and a half. They will always include a food pairing component, the opportunity to see, spend time in vineyards, spend time in the wine cellars, and it's a lot of what we, uh, you know, the three of us that we've all spent our career working in wine, and we've had access to these things before, but not often that you get that from a consumer lens. So I think what yeah. we've seen is just the level of engagement, excitement education and ultimately connection has been really special so um, we saw we have seen and we continue to see less people from an overall visitation perspective but the level of engagement has just gone so much higher and the amount of people that come back or want to join the wine clubs or want to bring whole wine home with them um, which is really special because they've got a meaningful connection to the winery that you don't typically get if you just taste a few wines in 10 minutes and move on to the next
3: sure uh, Graham, so great to catch up with you, and I love to hear that people are getting the story and the experience that they deserve when they visit wineries. That makes uh, true wine drinkers. That, that that creates a generation of wine drinkers and a culture of wine drinking, which I think is uh, something special for British Columbia. Thanks a lot, Graham. Uh, of course, to our listeners, they can uh, connect with any of these clubs. Just go to the regular winery website and then look for the wine club and get yourself uh, uh, hooked up with one that suits Uh, the kind of wines that you love to drink. Thank you very much, Graham. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks,
1: Casey. Really appreciate it.
3: Uh, That was Graham Norton, General Manager of Iconic Wines of British Columbia. A reminder that along with hearing us weekly across BC on the radio, you can also find us on any of the top podcast platforms. And now on Spotify, with uh, BC Food & Wine Radio. That's it for today's show. Uh, we are out of time, Casey. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, it'll be December next week. We'll talk about shopping.
2: We will. We've got maybe, a list. 60 gifts you, in 60 minutes coming up. Yeah,
3: yeah. maybe what you're going to get me for Christmas. Yes, I already know, Tony. <laughs> Thanks a lot, folks. See you next week. I'm Anthony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And you're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network.
0: That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production.